Welcome to the Vineyard Church of Greater Portland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more podcasts and other resources, please visit www.vineyardportland.org. Character and transformation in the life of Zacchaeus, who went from greed to grace to glory. Love the alliteration. And uh, that was a really good message. Yeah, and if you haven't heard, it's available on the website. Check it out. And this morning, we have Jim Fasulo. He's going to come share. Come on up, Jim. Am I on? All right. <laughs> That's always good. Good morning. Good morning. As Mario said, um, this is week six of Jesus Change Stories of Transformation. Um, from Skepticism to Belief is the title for today. And um, I'm going to share a story before I get into the central scripture for today. And um, my son said to me, he said, no, you're not going to get emotional during the message, are you? And I said, probably. And the way the Holy Spirit's already ministered, is ministering, it's probably going to happen a lot. <laughs> but that, you know what? We should have emotion and passion, shouldn't we? And our walk? All right. That's all right. So the story I want to share is something I heard on Caleb a few months ago. Um, a man called in and gave his testimony. He was, um, he got up one morning, he said, this is the morning I'm going to end my life. Um, I have no hope. Um, this is it. And what I'm going to do is I am going to drive to work as I do, and there's a bridge that I go over every day to and from work, and I am just going to drive my car off the bridge. So that was his plan. He got up, got ready, got into his car, and started driving. And on the way, his phone rang. And it, he looked. It was his sister. And so he's like, she's never up. This. So he pulled over, and, and she said, God woke me up just to tell you how much I love you how important you are to me. And um, so he said, thank you. And he said, I she said, I hope you're all right. And um, so he hung up, wasn't, you know, got back in the car, still was planning, on, although he was wondering, because like, she's never even up this early. And then the, he had on Caleb, and I cannot remember if she said to put it on. He never usually has it on, but he put it on. And the, announce, the um, morning host said, there is someone that God, God wants me to share with you. Do not do what you're thinking about doing. And he, that's, that was for him. And I remember after that, when that man called in, I, was, I remember that morning. I remember driving into work, and all of a sudden, the Caleb announcer said, there is someone out there that... Don't do what you're thinking of doing. God does not want you to do it. Don't do it. And I remember thinking, wow, that is so different, even for them to say something like that. Usually they talk about the Lord or whatever. And then months later, he called in and said, between those two events, he, accept, you know, he did not drive off. The, he obviously went to work. He later on accepted the Lord. And he called in to share that testimony. And uh, yes. And that was powerful for so many reasons, but I want to say, one is God never gives up on anyone. No one. 
He didn't even know him. He was ready to take his own life, and God's like, no, that is not happening. And he worked through two different people. And the other thing is, both of those people were open to the Holy Spirit. We have to be... His sister got up out of... It was the middle, for her really early and, and called him. She could have just said, I'll call him later today when I'm awake. That Caleb announcer could have just said, eh, I don't know, I'm not going to do that. I never do that. They were both obedient to the Holy Spirit. We need, to be a, we need to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. We need to go the extra level when God calls us to. Amen? Amen. All right. Now, the scripture, I'm going to be talking about Thomas today. And the setting is Thomas, of course, was one of the apostles Jesus um, picked. And they were, it was right, the time of the scripture, Jesus had been crucified, died, and was buried. And the disciples were devastated. They were so sad, so grieving, because they had been with Jesus for three years. They, had, they loved him. They, they knew how much Jesus loved them. And now they're in a place, they're in hiding. They're lacking understanding. Like, what is going on? Our Savior, he's just been killed. And they were hiding because they were scared they were going to be killed by the Jews next. So that's the setting as I read this first scripture. Um, John 20, verses 19 to 29. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, Thomas, called Didymus, which means twin, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So, um, you know, and it's kind of surprising a little bit when you think, wow, Thomas, one of his apostles, had just been with him the last three years, saw all the things that he had done, yet he didn't believe. But one of the things, another scripture I want to read to you right now is, and I think Thomas kind of get, gets a bad rap a little bit, because the other disciples were in the same place. I'm going to read Mark 16, verse 9 to 14. 
When Jesus rose, this is in Mark instead of in uh, John, on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him and were mourning and weeping. When they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe it. So all of the disciples, not just Thomas, they did not believe it when she came. So all of them, after all they had been through with Jesus, did not believe it. Afterward, Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. They, these returned and reported it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. So the only thing I want to say there is, as we deal with doubt and skepticism in our own lives at times, here are the disciples. They, even when they heard that Jesus had risen, they didn't believe it. And they were with him intimately for three years. And the thing is, we have to remember, we all have doubt. We all have doubt at times. And it's important that we don't stay in that, but that we, move, we let go of it and move forward. That's the thing. We all have doubt. We all doubt. But it's a matter of what we do with it. Okay? Amen? Amen. So, all right. So, and, and studying Thomas a little bit more, it's like, well, why did Thomas, why was he so, even the other disciples then saw him, and he still didn't believe it. Um, maybe, maybe he did doubt more than the other disciples. That's a possibility. Um, maybe he was having a harder time with Jesus' death, in the, even though they all were, because he wasn't there that time Jesus came to the others. So he, could, he just could have been in a really bad place. I'm sure that he was. Um, also, he, Thomas was a twin. Sometimes twins can deal, have, compete for attention, um, they can also struggle to establish their own identity. So it could have been a number of reasons. But the bottom line is Thomas was in a great state of doubt. It didn't matter that the others saw Jesus. He still didn't believe it. The fact that Jesus had performed so many miracles in front of Thomas wasn't enough either. Um, in fact, Jesus, uh, Thomas was with Jesus when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And even after seeing that miracle, he still didn't believe it when he heard from others that Jesus had risen. He must have been really sad and really in despair about what happened. He was full of doubt and lacked faith. In fact, Thomas not only didn't believe him, but he listed out, as we read earlier, a list of specifics of what would have to happen. He'd have to put his finger in his hand have to see his and have to put his hand in his side. Just even seeing Jesus was enough. He had all these criteria. Um, Tom, however, Thomas did not always doubt. In John 11, uh, verses 14 to 16, this was when Jesus, Lazarus had died, and Jesus said, we're going to go to see Lazarus. And before that, um, Jesus had just, they had tried to stone Jesus, and he got away. The Jews were trying to kill him. So in this scripture, Jesus says to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad I was not there, 
so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Jesus is telling the disciples that. And then Thomas says to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. So Thomas was very courageous there. You know, we, we can't just label somebody as, oh, they're just a doubter all the time. You know, we don't we vary in our walk? Aren't there times we just doubt? Then there's other times we're very courageous. Thomas was the same way. So he knew, he knew that. He was willing to go and be, die for that. And the thing is, Jesus could see beyond Thomas's doubt. When he came in the room, and he saw, but he knew Thomas's heart. He could see beyond the doubt in Thomas's heart and knew that he had a heart for Jesus. Just like Jesus looks at us, he sees the doubt in our lives, doesn't he, and in our hearts. But he knows, he sees beyond that. He knows we have a heart for the Lord. Do not condemn yourself for doubt, but do not remain in doubt. And I'll talk about we must move forward. When Jesus appeared, it must have shaken Thomas. He was probably shocked, excited, and thrilled all at the same time. Jesus did. He walked in and he said, Thomas, look. Look, put your finger here. Look at my hands. Put Thomas didn't even have to say, he already, he told him exactly where Thomas had said, I've got to have this, this, and this. And Jesus came right in and said, do this, this, and this, okay? So he was like, it really, I'm sure it shocked Thomas. I mean, even though he was excited and thrilled. Um, Thomas was so low at, before Jesus appeared in his life at that point. He must have been full of unbelief, skepticism, little hope, but Jesus raised him up. Jesus lifted him up high. Doubt left him instantly, and it was replaced with faith, believe, love, and trust. He was transformed. Isn't that awesome? Um, and then there was one other scripture later on where it shows Thomas when Jesus appears at the shore and he's out on the boat. So Thomas, um, from then on, he I just can't imagine what he was like. He must have been, you know, with his faith being restored and, and, and beyond measure, I believe. And sometimes we can get really low before the Lord, just get really low in our lives, I should say. But the Holy Spirit will come and raise us up. Can raise, isn't that right? How many times in our lives has the Holy Spirit come, ministered, and raised us up when we were at the depths? Isn't anyone been there? All right. So... So, and sometimes we have to come to an end of ourselves. We have to, I think Thomas came to an end of himself. And we do too. And that's when it's finally like we stop relying on ourselves, And then God can move. God can lift us up. It's interesting too because Thomas responds to Jesus and says, My Lord and my God. He confesses and yields himself to the Lord. But he also believes Jesus is God. Now, when I was studying this scripture, there was some debate. Oh, no, that's not what he meant. But I believe it is. Because no one had really referred to Jesus as my Lord and my God. 
that was powerful. And many times before I did this study for this preparation, I'd look at that, it's like, yeah, because he, you know, that's his reason. I didn't really think much of it, to be honest, other than that's his reaction. But Jesus so transformed him that not only did faith and belief come, but I believe he gave him added insight that he was God. And not many knew that at that time. My Lord and my God, that transformation was so great, he had the wisdom to know he was God. Isn't that awesome? You know, and sometimes I think Scripture, no matter how many times we read it, God always reveals something new, you know? Um, so that was, that was really good. Thomas was transformed, and I believe he would never be the same again. What about us? What about us in our journey? I'm going to read John, just the last um, verse of the opening scripture, John 20, verse 29. Then Jesus told him to Thomas, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not yet seen and yet have believed. Now that, that is spoken to us, is it not? How do we respond what do we do when doubts arise in our own life? Do we allow them to stay? Or do we trust and believe the Lord? Jesus said, those who believe without seeing will be blessed, which is a wonderful promise for all of us, isn't it? So let's see what Scripture says in Mark 11, verse 22 to 25. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you that whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. That is a powerful promise. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Now that brings up something that, in addition to doubting, twice in these scriptures when I was studying, right in the same passages, Jesus talks about forgiveness. And I'm like, God, how does... And at first I kind of just went over that, but then... I went back because it's right in the same thing when he's talking about you need to believe, you need to have faith, you need to trust, right in the same breath, but you need to forgive one another. And I believe that the more I thought about it and prayed about it, they are intertwined because unforgiveness is a stumbling block for us. And I've said before, unforgiveness is one of the hardest things we as Christians have to deal with. Because no matter how badly we're wronged, no matter how badly we're hurt, we have to forgive one another. And I, I know it's not easy. There are some things that happen to us. It's like, it's hard to do it. But you know what? We're required to do it. Jesus mandates that we forgive one another. And I want to just say this too. We as Christians need to stand out. This world is a messed up world. We need to walk in our faith beyond norm. 
and this unforgiveness is part of it. Too many times we can get offended. And we, believe me, as humans, we offend one another. And if we're the ones offending, we have to reach a heart of asking for forgiveness, apologizing, and doing the actual apology. The flip side is we need to accept it. And even if someone doesn't apologize, we're called to forgive because too many relationships stop over minor things. Within this, you think about your own life and the relationships you have. And I'll ask you right now, do you have unforgiveness in your heart this morning towards anyone? If you do, you have an opportunity before you today, now and later during ministry time, to, to release that. Because we cannot go on our journey in Christ the way we're supposed to with unforgiveness in our hearts. And also, too many relationships end for minor things. Too often, including, you know, within the church, but also outside or us outside, oh, somebody offended me, that relationship is over. That is not God. And I'm sorry, but we have to be above that. We have to be able to go to someone and say, work through the issues. Most of the time, they're not that major, but people just cut people off. And as Christians, we do that sometimes. And it's like, wait a minute, this is not God. I'm sorry, we have to humble ourselves and apologize. We also have to humble ourselves and receive apologies. God's plan isn't for us to walk around being mad at half the world. It isn't, is it? Are we, and if you see how angry this world is, the change has got to start with us. You know, and unless your life and my life is going to be, oh, hi, how are you? The weather's good. See you next week. You know what? We're real. We're going to offend you. If we're going to get beyond surface, there are going to be times we're going to offend one another. It's just part of it. But what are we going to do with it? As Christians, we have got to work through it. Otherwise, we're hampered. And it, and it falls in and it it ties to doubt. Jesus is saying, forgive one another. If we won't do it, doubt continues because we're doubting God there. We're not obedient. Oh, I don't, they did this to me. I don't have to forgive them. Yes, you do. Yes, I do. The thing is, there's freedom with forgiveness. There is immense freedom. You don't have to carry around these weights that you're mad at half the world all the time because you've never let go of things. Amen? Amen? I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's hard. But I know when the relationships in my life, when you work through things, you are 10 times closer to the person than you were before. We need to do that. That was something that I did not expect to be coming up and preparing this message, but... It is, it's what God put on my heart as part of it, and it's right in the scripture. Okay, James 1, verses 2 to 8. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. 
Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. Because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. That's sobering. It's like, for example, let's say I have a really sore hand, and maybe I've had it for a while, and um, it's like, God, heal this hand. But in my mind, I'm thinking, but I know you're not going to do it. I'm just going to keep, you know, I'm just going to keep having this sore hand forever. That's being double-minded. We have to go in in faith, in God, and not in our timetable, but in God's. We have to believe that this hand will be healed, but not doubt. And the things in your life you're struggling with right now, you're dealing with, when you go before God in prayer, you have to believe he is going to make a change. He is going to change things. If you don't, if, if you're half-heartedly saying it, look what's going to happen. You're going to be tossed around in the wind. And some of you may feel that today. Some of you might be, feel like you're being blown all around right now. But God will help you. Our faith should not change based on our circumstances. God is God. Don't be like, oh, I got a new job. This is great. It's going great. Oh, God, I believe you. Then things start happening. Are you even there, God? Are you even around? How many times when our circumstances vary up and down? Faith is here. Doubt is now here. Don't, aren't we like that sometimes? Too much, aren't we? God, want, God is God. He doesn't vary based on our circumstances, thank God, right? He doesn't want us to either. He's always there for us in the trials. Okay, what, what causes doubt? I think there's a lot of reasons. Our, like I just said, our circumstances. Things don't work out the way we want them to. God, where are you? I don't know if, I'm not really sure you're there. Oh, he's there. But it's our own heart that's wrong. Ourselves and our own sin can cause doubt. The world, this, the world believes all sorts of things. We have an enemy I'll tell you, there's one person that's happy when we're in a state of doubt and depression and discouragement, and that's the enemy. He'll throw things, oh, you're doubting God? Fantastic. Let's keep bring, let me keep drawing you this way to destruction. And that's very real. Jesus warns about this, does he not? You need, if you're doubting this morning in a serious way, you need time, you need, time, you need prayer. You need to allow the Lord to help you to let go of it because it's a dangerous place. We all, like I said earlier, we all experience doubt, but if you've got, doubt fuels doubt. If we don't turn to God, doubt keeps fueling and suddenly you doubt everything and nothing is certain, nothing is safe in your heart. And that's a scary place to be. What kind of doubts do you deal with? Do you question if Jesus exists or God exists? 
Do you question, for those of you that accepted the Lord already, do you sometimes question your salvation? Do you doubt it? Well, maybe that wasn't really real. Do you doubt if Jesus loves you? A lot of Christians deal with this. I'm not good enough. I've, I've accepted the Lord, I know, but, but you know what? I, I still sin. I'm still struggling. That some of the stuff I've done in my past, there's no way he can love me. I hear that from Christians a lot. If that's you, get prayer and know God does love you. He lo- if any of us were doing it based on ourselves or our own merit, forget it. Jesus died for us. That's the whole point. He died, suffered, died, and was buried for us so that we could be with him. Amen? Amen. Do not let that doubt rob you. Do something about it. Doubt, a feeling of uncertainty or lack of conviction. Fear, being afraid. That all t- d- doubt and fear interlink. There's fear involved. Whereas com- faith, complete trust or confidence in someone or something, strong belief in God. Isn't that what we want? Isn't that powerful? Complete trust or confidence in the Lord. That's where we need to be. That's where we want to be. I'm going to give you an example. Just picture two swimmers that have to swim across a river. Both swimmers are dealing with similar circumstances. Okay, Maybe their health or their job, uh, whatever it is. And, but one has faith. One has a lot of faith in God. The other struggles in doubt a lot. They start swimming across and more trials come in. More poor circumstances come in. And they're struggling. Which one spiritually has a better chance to get across? The one with faith, right? Okay, so because in the midst of their circumstances, they're trusting God. And we all have difficult circumstances, but as I said, if some, that swimmer that's doubting, if just these more trials, they can be pulled downstream. And we got an enemy that's right there trying to pull us away to destruction. It's very real. That man I talked about at the beginning, he was ready to take his own life. And a lot of people do. God intervened in his life in a powerful way. The Holy Spirit intervened and he was saved. Wherever you are today, I don't care if you're extremely discouraged, depressed, um, stressed out, anxiety, it doesn't matter. God can lift you up, just like he lifted Thomas up, just like he saved that man at the beginning in the story. Amen? Do you believe that? Amen. Uh, so what can we do? There are some things. I'm going to focus on one of them, but one, we can obviously at any time when we're doubting, struggling, we can cry out to God. We can spend time in prayer, seek him, and he is there for us. We can read his word. There's life in his word. We always receive in his word. Praising him, just, just thanking him for who he is. And like the word, thank you, worship team, today. That was amazing. Worshiping the Lord, praising the Lord. That is another way. And the way, another way that I want to talk about today is reflect on your personal milestones in your journey with Christ. Because ultimately, 
I just want you to think about the things Jesus has done in your life for you. I'm going to talk about just two or three of the many in my life. One of them was when I was in my early 20s, I met a man who um, became best friends with me. He mentored me, um, helped me to grow in the Lord, and, and, that's part, and, that's, and it had a dramatic effect in my life. I remember one day inviting him to my home and just sharing where I was in my life at that time with the struggles I had that I never told anyone. And part of me was worried because I thought, I don't want to lose this friendship. But So I shared what I needed to share with him, and it was such a relief for me, and it made no difference to him. He loved me as much as ever. And that was a milestone in my life because it was an indication of how much God loved me through how Doug loved me. He accepted me where I was. We need to accept one another where, that, where we all are. Me, we, anyways, that was a milestone for me. I will never forget that. Um, another time was when Kathy and I were newly married, and she was pregnant, and she had a lot of bleeding, and it was early in the pregnancy, and things did not look good. And I remember praying hard of, I don't think it was ever as hard as that, that God save our child's life. And after praying, he said after a while to me, the decision has been made. I didn't know what that was, but I had peace. It was like I didn't need to pray, even though I did, it was like I didn't need to pray further. And it wasn't until a couple days later, to make a long story short, we, Kathy had to have an ultrasound to find out whether the baby was alive or not. So we go in, and she's hooked up, and the woman starts flipping the thing around. She goes, okay, here we are. And she said, do you see this right here? She said, that is the uterus. That's where the uterus was torn. That's all the blood. It's like, oh. But she said, look up here. There's the heartbeat. God had saved the baby. And that baby is our daughter, Sarah, who will be 26 this week. That was a milestone in my life. I will never forget it. And there are many others, but I'm, I'm, for time, I'm not going to do that. But I want you to reflect on the milestones in your life. What are the things God has for you? He's done for you. They're important. When you're struggling, reflect on those. You know what? And if you haven't, I would even say write them down. Even over a period, maybe you're not one to make a lot of notes. I'm not. But if you write down some of the ways God has ministered to you, transformed your life, they're there when you need them. And it's part of your legacy. Just like Joshua, when he led the Israelites across the river, God told him to have some of the men go in and pile up stones as a remembrance. These these are remembrances for you. It's like, wait a minute, I don't need, God's done all this in my life. Use that, remember it. It's important, isn't it? God is always the same. God never changes. We serve an awesome God. Don't ever forget that. Um, God is omnipotent. 
which means he's able to do anything. He can do anything in your life that needs to be done. Don't ever not believe that. Amen? Don't doubt, because we already heard what doubting does. Trust. He's omnipresent. He's present everywhere at the same time. That's hard to embell. It's hard to imagine that, but that's our God. We, we don't have the capacity to fully understand God and everything he can do. We just need to trust him and serve him. And he's, om he's omniscient. He knows everything. There isn't anything about you or me he does not know. There's no struggle he's not aware of, um, no problem that you're going through that he can't help you with. Don't ever believe right now, you may be struggling with stuff you've had for years, and that's not uncommon, is it? We all have our deficiencies. We all have our weaknesses and our struggles. But God is always there. And we need to believe for overcoming power. The Holy Spirit is always there. Just like that man at the beginning, he was transformed. He had that day when he ended up going to work and not killing himself was a milestone in his life. Amen? When Jesus appeared to Thomas, that was a milestone in his life. We all, we all need the Lord. I'm going to ask the ministry team to come up, please. Everyone stand. Um, if you, you know, if it's time for you to get your children, by all means, do that. But if, other than that, I'd really, one of the other things God has been speaking to me for a few, for a few weeks is to build community. Um, about us working through together, that's one way. One of the other things God has spoken to me is, if you don't have to go to work or have a commitment, sometimes we do and we have to rush out, even if you don't come forward for prayer, can you remain seated for a few minutes and just pray? I really feel like, God, this is a way, instead of talking right away, this time for fellowship, but God, I think God's trying to raise us up. He wants us to work through things. He wants us to be more considerate of each other. And as you pray, when people go, God's going to minister to you. Maybe it's five minutes, and you, maybe you can't do it every week, but I think it's important. If we do the little things for one another, those are actually big things. So for people for prayer today, um, these are the three areas I, I feel the Lord wants me to mention specifically. And one is, if you're dealing with doubt, if doubt is a part of your life in a real way and it's hindering you, come out for prayer. Um, don't even hesitate before I do the general prayer closing. Come right up. If you need prayer for doubt, come right up and get it. The other thing, another thing is unforgiveness. Like I said, when I was preparing this message, I had no, um, 
no inkling that that was going to be something that God was going to, but he stirred on my heart big time. Again, unforgiveness can be an opportunity for you and for me. If, you, if you're harboring things against someone, come and get prayer to be released. And it's for you, not the other person, but hopefully it will help for the other. But God wants you free. He wants me, us free. There shouldn't be any unforgiveness in our hearts towards anyone. Or any other way, any other struggle, any topic really, maybe you're just, you, that you feel weighted down with today, depression, anxiety, anything, or you need a physical healing, whatever it may be, I'm going to pray and then please come forward and get prayer. I know God wants to transform all of us, but if some, if you really feel led for prayer, come up and receive prayer. Father, we thank you for today. I thank you that your Holy Spirit is always with us, Lord. I thank you that you direct us. You are always there. I pray for us as a body. We all struggle with, hope, uh, with doubt. I pray that you bring hope. I pray that when doubt arises, we'll recognize it, turn to you, and have it released. Remove it, Lord. Not linger in it, not dwell in it. Other things, Lord, that you have that weighed us down, Lord God, I pray for all of us. You bring a release. You bring a transformation. It's never too late. It's never not the right time. Just give us hearts for transformation and belief. I pray faith over this body today, our body. I pray trust in God, faith and belief. Choose belief. Choose God. And I pray, God, you release unforgiveness throughout this body. Lord, as your Holy Spirit, some may not even know they're carrying it at this point. Release it so that we can move on. It does tie to doubt. It hinders us. And just fill us up with your love and mercy and grace, Lord. Thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen.